Good morning again, church. And that singing sounds great, doesn't it? That's a beautiful song, Chuck, but it almost put me to sleep. It was, <laughs> that's, that's a good nighttime song, isn't it? Oh, uh, well, I'm so glad that y'all are here this morning. Uh, to be honest with you, I had no idea how many people would be here, and there's a lot more than I thought there would be after Thanksgiving. So thank you for being here. Uh, I am just so glad to be here after a wonderful Thanksgiving. We had a great time with our family, uh, both Kinsey and my side of the family, and I hope that you did as well. This morning, we're going to be talking a little bit about renewal. And so, if I'm being honest, whenever I think of the term renewal, one of the things that I think of is really this time of year when all of my subscription services and all of my memberships seem to auto-renew. And if I'm being honest, like, I remember signing up for a lot of them, but I don't remember hitting anything that says, yeah, just go ahead and take my money again, you know? It's like monthly or annual subscriptions. I, I tend to do the annual because you get cheaper discounts and stuff like that, but around this time of year, for whatever reason, I get to see in my emails all of the things that I've subscribed to. And man, it just hits me right in the face because if you're anything like me, you have a lot of things you've subscribed to that you don't even use, right? Like I have probably 12 or 13 different like video or TV or music streaming services and I'm like, I barely get to use one. I mean, I pretty much stick on YouTube TV or Disney Plus these days, but I mean, we got Netflix and Spotify and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, these are things on the internet. So you might relate to maybe memberships, right? So some of you are probably a part of a country club or maybe you were a part of a country club and they're still taking your money and you don't even live there anymore. But for whatever reason, they, they have this auto-renew feature. If I'm being honest with you, the reason that I have so many subscriptions, though, is this thing that people my generation like to call FOMO. And that's not some new word, it's an acronym. And that acronym stands for fear of missing out. Man, I do not want to miss anything. I, I, I worry about it. I get into this, this rut of feeling like, man, if I don't know what's going on in the world, how will I ever talk to somebody at a dinner party? Like I go to dinner parties. <laughs> but I worry about it. I'm like, if I don't have all the subscriptions, I'm not going to know what's going on. I'm not going to know all the new shows or know all the new songs. I, I still don't know all the new songs. I, I know a lot of old songs that my parents listen to on the radio, and I just get to listen to those now. But I have this fear of missing out. And so a lot of my subscriptions, a lot of the things that I've subscribed to are out of this FOMO, this fear of missing out. Now, some of you are sitting in, in your seat right now and you're thinking, yep, I'm right there with you, Kyle. I subscribe to a lot of things like that. Others of you are probably thinking, ah, that's not really me. But I will say, I think we can all relate to the idea of subscribing to different things. In our lives, we subscribe to all sorts of things whether we're members of something or maybe we just subscribe to a certain way of life. Maybe it started out as something that we really wanted at the time. We started dressing a certain way or talking a certain way. We started hanging out with certain people, being a part of certain groups or clubs. These things that we've subscribed to, we've really submitted to them. And sure, some of them probably started as a pretty good thing. I know many of you around holidays, you probably think of this story. Uh, you're probably thinking, man, I almost made it a whole year without hearing it. But I'm going to tell it to you anyway. The story of a young lady who around the holidays was cooking a ham. And she cuts the ends off the hams and 
her daughter's standing there. Her daughter asks her, Mom, why do you do that? She goes, well, I don't know. It's what my mom always did. She said, you should go ask your grandma. So the little girl goes and asks her grandma, and she says, Grandma, why, why does my mom cut the ends off the ham? She goes, well, I don't know, because my mom always did that. Why don't you go ask your great-grandmother, my mom? So she goes and she asks her great-grandmother, she says, great-grandma, why do you always cut the ends off of ham? She said, oh, that's just because I didn't have a pan that was big enough. <laughs> and so this entire family, without even knowing why, it was a very good reason initially, right? She didn't have enough room. She had to cut the ends off so it would fit, so it could cook. This entire family for their entire lives has been cutting off the ends of the hams and missing out on wonderful blessings of more ham simply because that's just the way it's always been. A lot of us in our life, we subscribe to things, whether it's because that's the way it's always been or maybe it's the way that my parents always did it. We subscribe to things in our life without even knowing the original start of them and we end up missing out on blessings that God has for us. Because we subscribe and we submit to things because that's the way things are. Or maybe, for some of us, we say, that's just who I am. I can't change. At least I can't change that part of me, right? The part that's not glorifying God. I glorify God on Sundays and Wednesdays, maybe the occasional Saturday when I help out with something. But the rest of the time, when I'm at work, when I'm at school, when I'm living the rest of my life, this morning, I want us to talk about renewal because I think it's something that's fitting for every single one of us. Whether you are new to church, you're new to being a Christian, or whether you've been a Christian your entire life, renewal is something that is offered to you continually. This morning, we're going to look at a story in 2 Chronicles. If you want to be turning there, 2 Chronicles 29. <clears throat> And as we get to this story, before we get to this story, I want us to really consider what is it that you're subscribed to? I'm not talking about Spotify or YouTube TV or Netflix or any of that stuff. I'm talking about what, is it the things, what are the things in your life that you've subscribed to that are not glorifying and not God-honoring? And can you point out what they are? Or are they so auto-renewed for you that you don't even know what you're subscribing to? Or maybe you've forgotten why you subscribe to it in the first place and it's no longer serving you in the way that it should. We take a look at this story of Hezekiah and we see a story of a man whose entire family was subscribed to something that was completely against God's will. His father before him and many of the kings that came before him in Judah were subscribing to things that were completely against God, right? Could you imagine becoming king and all of a sudden, you're in control of the entire nation, and you look around at what the nation is doing, and you're supposed to be the nation, the people of God, and your father before you has done everything to go against God himself. Let's start at what it says in Second Chronicles 29, verse 1 and verse 2 of Hezekiah to see what kind of man he is. Verse 1, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. Man. I'm 29, y'all. I just can't wait to be king. But he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. That's me, 29 years. 
His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. So we hear his mother's name in this part of Hezekiah's story. And it goes on to say this. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. And for those of you who are not familiar with this story, David is not his actual father. David is David of David and Goliath fame. David is often talked to or referred to as the father of Israel and one of the fathers of Israel, right? And so he said he's following after David, his father, not because David's his actual father, but because David did the things that were pleasing to the Lord as well. To find out about Hezekiah's actual father, we actually need to go back to 2 Chronicles 28. You don't have to turn there. I'll show it to you. Verse 1 through 4 says this, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel and also made idols for worshiping the Baals. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hanam and sacrificed his children in the fire, engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. It may go without saying that Hezekiah does not have the best family background. This is his history. This is his heritage. And it would be really easy, I bet, for Hezekiah when he becomes king to just follow right in line with everything his father was doing. But thankfully, he chooses something different. He chooses something that will bring glory and honor to God, and it will bring renewal to his people. Let's continue in 2 Chronicles 29. After we hear about all the things he's done, he said, Ahaz, or is it Ahaz, right? Sorry. Yeah, Ahaz, his father, set up idols, put idols in the temple, he set up altars and stuff for God in high places, which is not the temple. And so let's hear what Hezekiah does with this, starting in verse 5. He calls the priests and the Levites together, and he says, Listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves. In other words, make yourselves ready. Declare yourself set apart for God. He says, Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. The first thing Hezekiah does, this says it's within the first month of his reign. He does this. He points out the faults that came before him. He doesn't just sweep them under the rug or act like they didn't happen. He points it out. He acknowledges the problem. The problem is that we have gone against the way of God. We as a people of God, the Israelites, have gone away from everything that God put in place, the temple worship that David established through Solomon. We've gone away from that. We've put other idols in its place, and we've started making sacrifices to other gods at other high places. Hezekiah doesn't run from his past. He acknowledges it. He recognizes the problem rather than pushing it aside. We continue reading in verse 10 what happens. He says, Now I intend to make a covenant, that's an agreement with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. 
Hezekiah chooses to make a covenant agreement with God. To begin the process, the priests and the Levites start purifying the house. They start cleansing out the temple. They take all those idols that Ahaz had made and they start throwing them out, getting rid of them. Later on, it says that he goes to all those high places and he breaks down those altars, all those things that were set up to other gods. He tears them out. He cleans the whole house, right? He gets it all cleaned up. Like all of you scrambling, if you were hosting your meal on Thursday, just clean your house. You're getting rid of all the junk, right? It's like, oh, we've got to get this out of here. They clean everything. They consecrate not only themselves, but also the temple of God. And then we see what happens because they don't stop there. It goes on in verse 18. Then they went in to King Hezekiah and reported, we've purified the entire temple, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the table for setting out the consecrated bread with all its articles. We have prepared and consecrated all the articles that King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was king. They are now in front of the Lord's altar. They cleanse, they cleanse the temple They cleaned everything up and they prepared it for sacrificing to God. So here's the thing. This is really good. If they stop there, great. They did a good job. They've cleaned up. They got rid of everything that's bad. But I want us to notice this morning that their process of renewal did not stop at just cleaning up and getting rid of the bad things. They moved on and they continued to do good things and put good and pure and righteous things in its place. Let's continue reading. Verse 29 says, when the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshiped. I want you to just imagine this picture for a minute. Hezekiah, 25 years old, just became king. His father before him has led all the people astray. He's led them to go and to make sacrifices and burnt offerings for other gods. He's put idols in the temple of God and removed the things that were sacred there. Hezekiah comes in and he orders everybody to start fresh. And they do it. They clean everything out. They get it ready and then they finally begin to worship God together. Not just Hezekiah. Not just the king, not just the one that's in control of all this, but every single person in there falls down on their knees and worships God. I don't know the last time that you were down on your knees. It's, it's kind of funny. We were at uh, Kinsey's parents' house this, this last weekend, and um, I always like to make the joke that every time I'm in the presence of my father-in-law, he gets down on the ground for some reason. Um, I don't think he's trying to humble himself before me or anything, but... For whatever reason, every time we're together, my father-in-law ends up crawling on his hands and knees for some reason. Um, But that position of being down on your hands and knees, I'm not going to do it now. Don't want to see that. You don't want to be on your hands and knees because you're not in a very good position to do much of anything other than yoga. And who's doing that? But to get down on your knees is one of the most humbling positions that you can take. To get down on your knees means to be vulnerable. It means to lower yourself, to humble yourself. These people, they're doing something all together that they have not done for a long time. The people of God, in order to find renewal, not only for themselves, but the temple as well, 
they humble themselves before God. The coolest thing, as they worship, as they consecrate, they prepare themselves to make sacrifices to God. Is Hezekiah calls them and says, everybody bring your sacrifices. If you know anything about Jewish culture, in order for a sacrifice to take place, the priest has to do all the preparation of the animal. They have to clean and gut and prepare the, the animal for the sacrifice itself. And the craziest thing about this story to me is, Hezekiah had everybody bring their sacrifices to the temple. And when they got there with all their sacrifices, they didn't have enough priests to actually fulfill the sacrifices because they brought too many animals. And so he does something that's never been done. The priests are relatives of the Levites and he asked the Levites to join in and help to make the sacrifices happen. Verse 35 and 36, so the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought, out, brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. In the very first month that Hezekiah was there, he took the entire nation of Israel, the people of God, and he took them from a nation that was completely going against God's ways, and he brought in and restored and brought renewal. But I want us to notice how it happened. It didn't just happen because they said, all right, let's, let's clean up our act. It didn't just happen because they chose to say, you know what, this is wrong, we should probably do something different. Renewal happened because submission happened. Renewal follows submission to God. Rather than submitting to the ways of the world, he chose to submit to God. And in doing so, two things took place. One, he restored temple worship, and he brought renewal for the people of God. The question is, what about you? In the New Testament, we are described as our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. In Christ, all things are being made new through the power of his blood. The question is, when is the last time that your temple was renewed? Maybe you grew up submitting to everything but God. Maybe you have FOMO about the things that the world has to offer. You see all the fun that people are having and you don't want to miss out on that. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but something seems off. You're not sure what, but things don't seem like they are what they should be. Maybe you've experienced renewal in Christ before, but you don't know what's keeping you from experiencing it now. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, I think there's something that we have to recognize about our own life when it's difficult for us to pinpoint what it is that's keeping us from fully following God. There's an old children's book called The Seven Blind Mice. It's by Ed Young. It's a cool little picture there. In this story, uh, you have seven blind mice that are out by their pond, and one day they notice that something is out there. 
And so one of the mice on Monday runs out and they say, it's a pillar. They come back and they tell everybody and they're like, surely it's not a pillar. On Tuesday, another one runs out and says, it's a snake. I felt it moving and slithering. They said, surely not. Wednesday, one runs out and said, it's a spear. He said, no. Thursday, they run out. It's a great cliff. I stood on the edge of it. No, Friday, one runs out and says, it's a big fan. I could feel it moving and blowing air. Saturday, one says, ah, it's nothing but a rope. So they're all arguing together. Come Sunday, when one final mouse, the seventh mouse, runs up and down, to and fro, experiencing the entire thing, and he comes back and he says, the something is as sturdy as a pillar, supple as a snake, wide as a cliff, sharp as a spear, breezy as a fan, stringy as a rope, but all together, the something is an elephant. So once the rest of the mice followed suit, they go and they run to and fro, they run back and forth on the elephant. They all agree, yep, we were wrong. It's an elephant. And the book ends with this quote that I hope that we can take with us this morning. It says, knowing in part may make a fine tale, but wisdom comes from seeing the whole. Wisdom comes from seeing the whole. It is so easy for us to get caught up in our day-to-day life, not even realizing the things that we're submitting to. Like the people of Israel in the time of Ahaz, we get caught up in what everybody else is doing. We don't even realize what are the things that are keeping us from pleasing God. The question this morning is, what is your elephant? What is the thing that you may not even really fully grasp the magnitude of it? What are the things you've submitted to without realizing the whole situation? Put another way, what is it that you are auto-renewing to? You don't even know what it is. Consecrate yourself by removing your elephant, but don't stop there. You know, if, if I had a chance to preach a whole series, this part would probably be in part two. So you're getting a bonus text this morning uh, from Matthew chapter, or actually, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 12 real quick. Verse 43, and it says this, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is a teaching of Jesus. It's one of my favorite sections of scripture to talk about when people want to talk about getting their life back on track. And they want to talk about getting rid of all the things that are not glorifying to God. Say, I want to live for Jesus fully. This is an encouraging caution that Jesus shares with us. He says, it is not enough for us to simply clean our house and leave it empty. 
We have to fill it with the things of God. We have to fill it with the things of God. And the only way for us to do that is to find true renewal in him. This is the encouragement to you. For anybody sitting here wondering, how do I find renewal? The only way is by submitting to God and allowing him to do it in you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then he says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Whether you've been a Christian as long as you can remember or you're very new to living in Christ, this is why we seek renewal from God, so that we can understand and know his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Just imagine if Hezekiah and the people would have stopped at consecration, if they would have stopped after they just cleaned out the temple and just said, all right, we did it, then I don't believe that they would have found true renewal. It wasn't until they submitted themselves, they humbly came before God and worshiped him that they found the renewal they were seeking. It was then that the temple and the people that came there to worship and to make sacrifice to God were renewed. That is why, as we talk about Hezekiah, they say he is like his father David, and they don't even mention Ahaz. For many of us, you may be sitting there thinking, man, my family is pretty rough. Even if they're really good, there's some things that we could do better. There's some things that I could make the difference and do better, but I need to know what they are. To find out, humbly submit yourself before God. If all we do is hear these words, myself included, and say, I should clean up part of my life without ever submitting to God and filling my life with the things of his will, what is good, pleasing, and perfect, then renewal won't happen. If I don't submit to the Father every part of my life to find what are the things that I've submitted to, what are those things that are not glorifying to him, if I don't submit to the Father, I'm never going to find renewal from those things. But imagine if I did. Imagine if you did. Imagine if we, as the Shallow Road Church of Christ, pursued God together through renewal. Imagine what a difference it would make. You know, we talk a lot about our vision here at Shiloh to exalt God, to encourage one another, and to engage our neighbor. That third part's really difficult, right? It becomes a lot less difficult when our neighbor sees us as the people of God being renewed day in and day out by the way that we love one another, by the way that we humbly submit to our Father. Just imagine what the nations surrounding Israel thought when Hezekiah stepped on the scene. 
Man. Later in Hezekiah's life, I'll just share this with you. He's about to die, and um, in all honesty, it's his pride that it's in his pride that God comes to him and says, "You only have a, a couple of years to live. I'm going to take your life from you." Hezekiah's response in that moment isn't more pride; it isn't anger; it's humility. He and the people of Israel humble themselves before the Lord. And God grants Hezekiah with more years to his life. I think that just goes to show that the entire message of Hezekiah, the entire message of Jesus, is about humility. Humbling ourselves before the Father, not just as individuals, but collectively as a church. This morning, I don't know where you are, but my prayer for you is simply this. That you will humbly seek renewal in Christ by submitting to the Father. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. God, we thank you so much for this wonderful season where we get to celebrate being grateful for you. God, I pray this morning that that we will be people who humbly seek your face. God, help us to submit to your ways, to find renewal Father, so that we can know what your will is, what is good and pleasing and perfect. God, be with each of us today. Whatever we're subscribing to and submitting to that is not you, God, I pray that you help us to see those things. Help us to consecrate ourselves, to cleanse us, to purify ourselves of those things, but not just stop there, Lord. Help us to be filled with the good things from you so that we might live out your good, pleasing, and perfect will, Lord. Father, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have a need this morning, if you have not responded to the gospel and, and given your life to the Lord, or maybe you just need renewal, our shepherds will be in the back with their wives, and they'd love to, to talk with you and to pray with you. Um, if you have a need this morning, we'd love for you Uh, to come forward or go to the back and speak with our shepherds as we stand and as we sing.